Welcome everyone. Welcome to our first episode of Up Your Confident podcast. Today I'm excited to bring you this wonderful conversation for and by women that equip, empower, and elevate us to live our God-given potential. I'm Lizette Zuno, your host for today. I did not know that our first episode for Up Your Confidence will be this kind of conversation. But here we are, and so let's meet the moment. Two weeks ago, I spoke on YouTube uh, via Facebook Live as well on this page, clearly about how I felt about this modern day lynching of uh, Mr. George Floyd's rest in peace for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I thought I was really done after that conversation, but um, I continued to talk to my friend. And in that video, I call out, I, I did a lot of call action, but one of my first call action was uh, I call out white women and I ask them to be ally and to become activists and to be an advocate for us so we can move forward. And uh, shortly after, I start paying attention to all my friend uh, Facebook page. And I saw that some of you guys were really meeting the moment. You were really speaking your heart out. So I want us today to really speak up, speak out, and uh, speak around uh, this system of oppression, racism, covered white supremacy behavior that we live as black people. So today I'm really excited to have this wonderful group of women. You guys are all people that I know in real, real life. So I'm excited to have you guys around because I truly believe that um, for, for us to move forward, you know, you guys are in biracial uh, family and um, you leave this experience in a different way. I am married to a black woman, so I have a different perspective. And I've always say in this podcast, I'm going to share experience from people that have different experiences. So I'm going to start by introducing this wonderful panel of friends. I'm going to start, we have people from around the world. So people are watching us from around the world. So I'm going to start with Yemi Yakini. I have known, I'm starting with Yemi because uh, Yemi is the person that I know the longest. Uh, we were in elementary school uh, back in Kotonou, Benin. So I think we know each other since we were like five, six, seven. So don't, not to say our age, but we know each other for more than 35 years, literally. And uh, thanks to Facebook, we have kept in touch. And uh, Yemi made a very touching video the next day after this whole George Floyd situation started. And um, I could feel her pain, you know, I could feel her pain. So that video really touched me. And uh, every time when I wake up, you know, I see Yemi uh, commenting, sending me a message. So I really want her to be on this panel today. So Yemi is married to Anthony and uh, he is a white man but he's very woke white man. Let's just call it that. So uh, thank you for having you on this panel today. Yemi lives in Nice, France. So she's in, uh, in Europe and she has been uh, involved uh, in a match just last weekend for Black Lives Matter. Just, just how much she's really engaged in this fight. So next I'm going by the order of how many years I've known people. So next is my cousin, sister in crime, my partner. You guys know that I, uh, so it's Amelie Byrne. Uh, you guys know, if you don't know, I have a nonprofit, C-Square for the Cure. 
for breast cancer awareness. So um, Amele is my chief operating officer. So Z-Square for the Cure, I'm the heart of Z-Square for the Cure and she's the brain of it that way. That's how I see it. So everything that we have done from strategy to execution has been really driven by uh, Amelie. So she's also married to a, a white man. And um, we always have this kind of conversation. And this actually sparked last weekend when she sent me the video of uh, Serena William and her husband talking about this same situation and the move that Serena William, my husband made. And I just started asking her, so how do you guys have this conversation, you know? How are you feeling? How is he feeling? So that's how the idea of the podcast came. And then I asked all of you. So thank you for being here today, Amelie. And uh, next is Lacey. And Amelie live in Michigan, uh, in the United States. And you guys have heard a lot about Michigan in the news lately. So we're just going to leave it at that. <laughs> so next is Lacey Kofi. I've known Lacey, I think, at least 15 to 17 years. If I live in Dallas for 20, at least 15 to 17 years. Lacey is married to Mark Kofi. He's from Africa, so we know each other through the Avorian community here in Dallas. And uh, Lacey, you don't know, but one of the things that I love about Lacey is not only that she's embraced our African culture to the highest level, but uh, she makes the best uh, party ever, you know. Every time you go to her house, at least when they were living in Dallas, she has the best spread, you know, the cheese board, the fruit, the vegetable, you know. Every time, and I have a story that I'll tell you, me and my husband, we came to a party to your house and we left to go to another party and we were just, we still missing the cheese and then we were like, we should have just stayed for this because this other party was not worth our time. So I love Lacey for that. And every time I see you and your family, I'm always happy. And I saw that lately, Lacey has been just dropping nugget on her Facebook page. You know, if you guys go and check out her Facebook page, she has been doing like this 30-day program where she, Lacey is a teacher uh, and she has been just dropping this knowledge of um, how to be anti-racial, how to learn how to, you know, how to, uh, how, how to just be anti-racist and how to not uh, be afraid of black people when you see them in the street. So she's just giving us an education also. I thought Lacey would be great on the panel as well. And Lacey is also married to a black man. And last but not least, Chloe here. Um, I met Chloe and my relationship with Chloe is actually very special and different because Chloe is actually one of the rare white women that I met that is not, we didn't work together. Our kids, now our kids go to the same school, but when we met, they didn't go to the same school. But we did not meet through, because I usually meet white people through my work relation. That's usually where it stopped. That's where it start and then it stopped, you know? So I never had any friends outside of work or outside of normal life. But I, I met a, a Chloe through our neighborhood. You know, she lived in my neighborhood. She lived like two, 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 two minutes, um, two, two block from me. So, and she just posted a message and said that somebody want to go walk out with me two years ago. And I raised my hand. You all know that I always like to walk out. Not that I look like it, but I like to walk out. So, so Lacey, um, uh, Chloe just asked, and then I, I joined her and then we start working out 
two years ago, 5.30 in the morning. And uh, I didn't even know that uh, uh, she was married to a black man because we never had that conversation. But the way she just embraced me, we always, she was, she was my accountability partner, basically. So she will set up the gym because I'm always late to show up at the gym and she was always ready texting me it's like are you coming and so we were really helping each other and i think we should continue because when i got pregnant i went mia and then i had a baby which the baby's like 13 months now so that should no longer be an excuse right so that's how i met chloe and then a couple of months ago i think earlier this year i was just walking my daughter to school before the whole covid and then i saw that her husband was black so i was like huh okay I was happy. I mean, I was not surprised, but I was just happy. And, but I've seen your daughter, I just never paid clear attention. So your daughter is so beautiful. So I'm happy that you say yes for this conversation. So here's my panel. We're going to get started. Our first conversation. So be candid, talk about your experience. So I want to ask you guys, when you guys saw the video and things are happening, you know, how did you feel? What was your feeling from the get to go? Uh, for me, it's, go ahead, Yemi. Go, go ahead, Emily. No, Lacey, go ahead. You can start. Uh, for me, it's just um, like even just thinking about it makes me want to cry. Um, it's just devastating. I think uh, as you watch, it's not so much just the officer that is uh, uh, murdering George Floyd, but the the complacency of the other officers, even though there's other people compelling them to to stop and they just don't even it's like they don't uh, value the life as as much as they would someone else and it's it's devastating yeah anybody else chloe i see you shake your hand yemi chime in yemi you're talking but you're on mute probably go ahead to your mute pour, je vais répondre en français parce que je vais plus... J'ai compris ta question, hein, mais je vais répondre en français pour euh, que ça soit plus clair et que je puisse mieux m'exprimer. Mm -hmm. euh, quand j'ai vu la vidéo, euh, comme tout le monde... Enfin, comme tout le monde, parce qu'il y a des gens qui n'étaient pas choqués, donc je ne dirais pas comme tout le monde. <rire> j'ai d'abord vu un homme avant de voir la couleur. Avant de voir la couleur, j'ai vu un homme. Et c'est terrible de voir quelqu'un mourir. Quelle que soit la couleur, tu vois la personne mourir pendant... Son cadavre dure 8 minutes. Déjà, moi, je n'aime pas regarder les vidéos horribles, les vidéos de violence, tout ça. Mais quand j'ai vu les commentaires, avant de regarder la vidéo, j'ai su qu'il y avait un problème racial derrière. Mm -hmm. Donc, j'aime regarder pour comprendre, dans ce cas, pour comprendre vraiment euh, ce qui s'est passé. Et bizarrement, on se demande, mais qu'est-ce qu'il a pu faire? What did he do? Mm -hmm. Sauf qu'après, on se dit, mais non, quel que soit ce qu'il a fait, il, un policier n'a pas le droit de tuer. Exactement. lui-même. Donc, ce que j'ai ressenti, c'est une énorme, comment dire, tristesse, 
et une énorme colère. Yeah, deep pain. Ouais, j'étais complètement attristée, complètement en colère et, 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 et frustrée. J'étais frustrée parce que tu te dis, si j'avais été là, qu'est-ce que j'aurais fait? Exactement. Apparemment, rien, parce qu'il y avait des gens qui étaient là aussi. There were some people there, so there's nothing you could do, really. Why? Because they can lost their life. She's trying to speak English. Exactly. S'ils essayent de faire quelque chose, le flic peut les tuer, il peut penser qu'il y a une menace et puis leur tirer dessus. Donc, j'aurais été là, je n'aurais rien fait non plus. Mais les questions mm-hmm. se bousculent dans ma tête. Donc, right. il y a eu plein d'émotions qui se sont mélangées dans ma tête. Mais, mais j'étais profondément triste de voir un, un homme mourir. Et, et après de comprendre qu'il est mort pour sa, à cause de sa couleur. Oui. Oui. Go ahead, Amélie or Chloe. When I first saw it, first of all, it wasn't through the news. I was on WhatsApp. Mm. And somebody um, in a group and I was like, oh, there's a video and I just click on the video and I saw a, a male on the top who has his knee on sort of somebody else's neck and that person was underground mm-hmm. and I'm like, why do people post these things in here? I, I'm like, Is that a joke or some sort of some kind? Mm-hmm. And so I kept watching it, and and the guy keeps saying um, screaming, and at one point was saying I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. I'm mean, like, he's saying I can't breathe, and why is his his knee is still on his neck? So I'm like, is that a, a fake video? What's going on? Because mm-hmm. there wasn't any post. It was just the video out there. So I'm like, okay, is he listening? And then there's somebody was recording next to, to them. It was like, and the guy was pleading, like, you need to stop, man. You need to stop, man. But the guy was just there and he has his hand in his pocket. I'm like, this is not real. And then I, when the guy starts saying, mom, mom, I'm like, this is real then. And then, The video cut, uh, uh, cut off over there. And I'm like, okay, two minutes later, somebody posts the same video again. And then, and he starts screaming his, uh, his mom's name. Okay. Lizette and I, <laughs> we, uh, I tell her that I have certain, how to say that? I can see things. So when he was when I was watching the video the second time around, it, it's like my body was taken over there, and I was right in front of in front of him and his face. And he was screaming. I barely wanted to help, but I couldn't do anything. And mm-hmm. when he was screaming, his mom, it's because he was able to see her because mm-hmm. his mom was dead. Right. So she came to take his pain away. Mm-hmm. So after that, I couldn't process. I was, I froze. I couldn't think. I couldn't eat. And I'm like, this is back to back pretty much because Aubrey K- 
case just happened not too long ago. Right. You are just a, a human being running. And the next thing, apparently, I'll try to run him over and then they shoot him. And I'm like, this is really happening. So I shut up, how do you call it? I shut myself down. Mm-hmm. I decided I'm not, to, I'm not going to cry. I was about to cry. I'm not going to cry. If I cry, it's I'm giving my power to the people who did the, the, the mm. who committed the crime. And I decided when I go to to work, I'm not even going to talk about it because over there they expect me to talk about things. So they are used to me talking about everything, anything. So I decided, no, I'm not going to give them that power. That if I even talk about it, they are not going to get it. Right. So what, what is the point? So I shut myself down for like at least a week. And then one day, one of my coworkers asked me, I'm surprised you are not saying anything about what's going on. <laughs> I'm like, what are you talking about? Because I wouldn't want to say it. What are you talking about? And she was like, Floyd, George. I'm like, oh, what about him? <laughs> she was like, you are not aware of anything? I'm like, I don't know. Go ahead. And, and it's where the person told me what happened. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm fully aware of it. But I just used to not talk about it. It's no work for me to talk about it. Wow. So I didn't talk about it at that time because I wasn't ready for it. Because mm-hmm. I was saying that, okay, I'm in the, uh, an environment. I'm the only black person there. But I don't see myself as the black person. I've never seen it until recently. I have to look at myself in the mirror and say, well, you think of yourself as a human being, but guess what? Out in the street, you are a black woman. Right. So deal with that. So I decided I had to face it. I had to confront myself first, deal with it, before I'd be able to talk about it with other people. Right. That's good. So Chloe, what was your um, feeling? How did you how how did you find out? And how did you? deal with it (laughs) um i think i did find out on facebook as well a video that was circulating and um i mean to be honest i saw my husband in that video i saw my Mm -hmm. and i like the statement you made about i'm not going to cry because it doesn't give them power and i need to tell myself that because i get so emotional um so thank you for that. that power yeah so but yeah i saw you know my students and my friends and and you know it was it was heart-wrenching it was and since that day I've had such a heavy heart you know and now it's been a surreal and I guess this kind of segues into another question but it it has brought to life my white privilege that you know I can turn it on and off you know if I don't go to the store with my husband it's not an issue but if I go with them it could potentially be, you know, and, um, and so that's been a real surreal and a reflective moment for me and, and, uh, and a reflection that, you know, I have had the power and the privilege to be able to turn it off, you know, and so it's, it's taught me a lot of 
how to think through that and, and recognize that. Well, when you said that, when you said that uh, you, when you go to the store, you feel like you can, you can kind of turn off the racism things. It made me think about another piece of that white privilege. Um, and when I think about like my, my, my sons going out on their own or my husband going out on their own, they're going to experience more racism than if they're with me. Right. It gives them, oh, okay, you're a little bit better if you're, if you're walking around with me. You, you get an exception if you're with your white wife, which right. is so convoluted and, and frustrating, um, but so real. Yeah, that's, uh, and, that's uh, I, I'm you glad you, about, you guys brought that up because that's, that's the, the scary part, you know, for, for lack of a better word, that's just scary part. That's how, um, so I'm interested in, you know, since you brought it up, how do you have that? So once you find out Chloe or Lacey, right? How do you then have that conversation with your partner? Like you say, Chloe, you saw your husband. So then how does the conversation come? Does he, how is he feeling? Does he burst out in the room and tell you, oh my God, or how do you guys have that interaction? I, I'm really curious about that. And how do you console him? Because I think, you know, we as a woman have to console our partner naturally. So how do you do that, you know, as being uh, uh, that other um, race? I think the most important thing and really the only thing we can do is listen, you know, mm. and, and just try to um, know that, let, let him know and let his family know that we were standing with him and we understand why he feels so you know so bitter and and um so that we've done a lot of listening and uh, uh you know just kind of let him work through it on his own but let him know that i'm there if he needs but you know um just we rely a lot on faith as well um so that's been and it always has been a big part of our family but that's definitely something that's helped us through it but really i've just been listening and, and showing him that you know it it it's that I acknowledge it, that it matters to me and it, and it affects our family. And um, that's really, that's what I've been doing, listening and learning yeah. and empath empathizing. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. That's the that's only thing, that's the best way. Go ahead, Lacey. Yeah, similarly, just, you know, at first, I think, um, I think it was important, very important that we, that we listen. I think one of my first posts was, um, that at that time, at that early stages of, of seeing something so traumatic and, and uh, you know, voices were being shared about this tragedy, at that time for me, it was just that we need to stop. We don't need to comment. We don't need to say anything. We, we need to listen. Mm -hmm. And like Emily said, she didn't feel like talking at work. And if, if those of us who are white, we just want to know and and I get that. I, I think it's good. It's good to have this conversation. Now is a good time, Lizette, you know, good timing on, on, on the podcast that give everyone a chance to, uh, you know, have, have their say and not kind of, um, you know, just dig into the, you know, lives of people of color in, in such a traumatic moment. Right. Listen, listen to what they have to say and, and be quiet for a moment before we step into it and uh, so I, I think that um, it's just really difficult to think but I do think that 
now now we've kind of gotten to that point where we can start to have the hard discussions and and hear each other a little bit better. Emily, you're ready now to talk. You know, maybe maybe other people are ready to talk about it too. Yeah, totally. So my next uh, thought or question that I want to bring is, um, how have you experienced discrimination as a white person alone or with your husband? Have you experienced discrimination? And I think, Chloe, you start alluding to that, how you can turn on and off, you know, um, your, your white privilege. So can you share any experience that you have had either with your husband or alone, you know, and Lacey, same question to you as well. So go ahead. Um, I don't, I don't recall a time where we have directly outwardly openly been mm -hmm. discriminated against, but I know that people talk, you know, um, <laughs> or it's just like, if maybe someone doesn't know that I am married to a black man, they might say things Ooh. that they wouldn't if they knew that I was, or if a black person was in the conversation, you know, so that's been really interesting to see, um, you know, people reveal themselves in that way. That must be fun. <laughs> How about you, Lacey? Yes. Yeah, same thing. People, well, um, people will say things in a conversation if they don't know my family dynamic, um, then you have to be um, putting them in their place. <laughs> at times um, I want to be there like how do you do that like you just say wait a minute you know honestly Lizette sometimes sometimes you you're embarrassed and you don't exactly in the moment and, I'm and, sure and now you know you have to you have to start to build a courage of of standing up and and I'll be honest it took some time uh because at first I think I was naive and didn't realize a lot of times that they were truly being racist. I'm thinking, no, that's not really what they meant. Exactly. Surely that surely they didn't just say that to me. <laughs> and so you, I, I think that's kind of, you know, you, you deny it for a while. Yes. Um, other times you kind of subtly, uh, I remember a time when I was at a, uh, I, I was a principal of an elementary school and we were at some training with other principals and I sat down next to, um, to someone and they started to tell me a racist joke Ooh. and at, at the moment I just I'm probably looked I, like this I, like, yeah just your eyes alone like you're um, <laughs> seriously uh, so I didn't I didn't uh, I didn't address it at the time obviously because I probably it so probably shocked. would have been a very loud heated <laughs> conversation if I did in the middle of training but later in the day, around lunchtime, I just started sharing photos of my family. Mm. And uh, kind of, uh, I'm, I kind of felt like, oh, maybe he uh, understood at that moment. That, yeah. um, like, let's not go back to that kind of joke great anymore. Mistake. Mm -hmm. And, um, but, I, but I will say, um, I, I posted about a, a particular time. It was very. Yeah, share that uh, please. Because that was quite interesting. And, it's a long story, but I'll try to make it short. But basically, when we first went to look for, um, we were buying our first first home, and we went to, uh, we went to look at some homes, and and at the end of the day, we found this new neighborhood, and there was a model home with, um, you know, salespeople there. But uh, it was getting late in the day. My mom was a realtor, so 
my mom and I ran in while my husband and my dad stayed in the car. She, she made quick conversation. They, they exchanged cards and we said we would come back to the next day to, to look at a home. Well, the next day my mom wasn't available. My parents weren't available at the time. So my husband and I went mm-hmm. and the salesperson didn't have time to show us a house. He said they were going to move their office. And so they couldn't do that that day, but to come back in a few days. So we did, we came back and, and truly he was moving. They were moving the office, but he didn't have the time again to, to show me. And I'm thinking, well, that's just bad customer service. Surely he wants to sell a home to us. You know, he's going to make some money. And, um, so I, I couldn't, he wouldn't have the time for us. So I decided I would call back the original guy that we had met that, that first time with my mom. And he had not met my husband, but over the phone, um, he was like, oh yeah, I remember you. You came in with your mom. I said, yeah, oh good. You know, I'm thinking, yes, we can now get somewhere with this, uh, this home search. And he says, you know, it says here that, that you're black, but I remember you, you're not black. <laughs> and I, I was, I was shocked, but I, I think I was, again, that naive moment, like, what does that have to do with anything? Why are you asking that question? Okay. So I just said, well, no, I'm not black, but my husband is like, does that matter? <laughs> but I, I didn't think much of it at the time. And uh, so again, we go, we finally get an appointment to see a house with this nicer guy that had met my mom. And we decided to put an offer on a house. We go back and the guy doesn't, he, he starts asking a bunch of questions. Where are we getting our loans? What are our jobs? Why, you know, all right, we just want to put an offer, man. Like let's put We're the ready. offer in and let's go home. <laughs> And he, then he says, this computer doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It was just, and in that moment, I finally, it, it finally hit me <laughs> that the black it was him. Thing. <laughs> he, he had written somewhere mm-hmm. that my husband was black and that we were undesirables in that neighborhood. And, and he wanted other people to know that. Yeah. other salespeople so, exactly. so that they could segregate this neighborhood exactly and that what year was that <laughs> this was 2003 mm. 2003 still segregating the neighborhood so yes yeah and and had i not been white that would never have been revealed to me mm. had had i not been white i would not have known that this was pure utter racism yeah you know i think about how uh, you know uh, if if this were a black couple they would feel it and they would know what it was (laughs) and they would be crying out you know this is there's something going on here this is right he must be racist and people wouldn't believe them Uh, but for me uh, it it was it was plain and simple it was told you (laughs) it was revealed to me in a way that uh it changed my life forever right that uh though i i know racism exists and we we experience 
you know, being seated in the, in the corner of a restaurant when the restaurant's empty. I, we experienced that before, but, but nothing like this, nothing like this. Right. Thank you for that story. Because uh, for us, as I'm talking as a Black person, we, but I've been like some of you too, you know, at the beginning, I'm like, huh, not sure. But for the past 10 years, I just awakened to it. I'm like, no, I'm not crazy. I know when I'm being treated right and I know when I'm not being treated right. So let's just call it what it is. So, but what are you going to do about it? When you, I just accepted that when you are not welcome somewhere, don't force yourself in, period. That's how I see it. So if from the get-to-go, the neighborhood is not welcoming me, I'm not going to force myself, you know, but it's, it's actually sad. And I think that's where a lot of us Black people are. So I'm going to ask uh, you ladies here, Law and uh, Amelie and uh, Yemi, how have you experienced, um, if you ever have, because I know some of you have different experiences, how have you experienced racism or, you know, subtle uh, discrimination? Uh, so I will ask the question in French for, for Yemi. Comment as-tu as-tu expérimenté le racisme? You know, est-ce que tu as jamais expérimenté le racisme ou bien seul ou bien avec ton mari? Et la même question pour Amélie. So, vas-y, Yemi. Augmente ton volume, s'il te plaît. Augmente, on n'entend plus. Personnellement, tu m'entends mieux? Oui, vas-y, augmente encore un peu. Euh, au maximum. Ok. Bouge, bouge comme tout à l'heure. Ok, c'est bon. Personnellement, j'ai expérimenté le racisme à plusieurs occasions. Tu arrives à entendre? Ok, augmente encore un peu, de toute façon, on n'entend plus là. Ça se... Vous m'entendez? Non. Combien le casque? Le casque peut, peut être mieux. Le casque. So, Laure, tu peux répondre pendant qu'elle est en train de faire le casque? Yeah. Uh, uh, C'est mieux? Non, pas toujours. Ok, bon. Qu'elle réponde, je, je reste. Oui. Me, personally... Uh, after I talked with uh, Lizette, after a while, I thought about it. I told her personally, personally, I've never experienced, uh, experienced racism. Maybe, and then she was like, maybe you did, but you just didn't realize it. Because, okay, we coming from Africa, we have a completely different experience than the African-American growing up here. And also growing up, I went to a mainly predominantly white school. So I'm already used to that kind of environment. And so I know what I think I don't look for it. I'm all, I'm just naive. I don't even know, but I have never, at least not, in front of me, I've never even seen someone you made any bad comment or anything. So my experience is completely different. Oh, now we have Yemi twice. Yeah, that's good. She's trying on her yeah. other phone, so that's so good. It's, going. So it's hard for me when I see things like that happening mm -hmm. to process. I'm like, but because I haven't experienced it. 
So how can I process that that um this color and things are happening to people who have my color? And mm. so I just said to myself, I need even if it didn't happen to me, I still need to put in my head that it's happening, it's a reality, and it could happen to me mm -hmm. or to my son who is mixed, you know. Yes. But so, I yeah, think with so my book, I, uh, one thing that I know about Lloyd, she's, one thing that I know about Lloyd is uh, she has a, uh, have a lot of white friends she even i mean we both african right but she at least it's a privilege she had the privilege of uh, going to a mixed school had a lot of white friends since she was a little so i think when we were talking yesterday you know um i told her that maybe you're just so used to white people of the covert or white supremacy behavior that it no longer uh, it, it no longer make you feel like you know the racist around you, but that's just my thought. So thank you for 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 letting us know how you you feel. So Yemi, yes, on 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 te voit sur deux screens. So okay. essaie de parler et puis on verra le le, okay. euh, le meilleur. Je, donc c'est pour voir si ça c'est bon. Je peux éteindre l'autre écran. So réponds, dis-nous euh, si tu as jamais expérimenté le racisme, discrimination. Euh, je sais que sûrement tu l'as déjà expérimenté. So oui, à plusieurs reprises. Euh, je je l'ai expérimenté à mon C'est bon? Oui, on t'entend. Ok. Je l'ai expérimenté dès mon arrivée en France euh, parce que je suis arrivée à Orléans. Donc déjà euh, à l'école. Dès qu'on arrive euh, à la cantine pour manger, je vois tout le groupe de filles qui s'est mis de côté. Et j'avais mon plateau et j'attendais où m'asseoir. Personne n'est venu à ma rencontre en tant que nouvelle pour me dire, euh, pour me montrer un peu les habitudes. Et j'ai été m'asseoir à côté d'un groupe de filles parce que je les, ai, je les avais déjà vues dans la matinée, elles se sont levées et elles ont été vers un autre groupe de filles. Donc déjà, c'était clair. Ensuite, certaines petit à petit sont venues vers moi, par curiosité, et j'ai eu la question que je pense que la plupart des Africains ont, mais comment vous faites pour venir en France mmh. Alors, à question, oui. je vais dire bête, oui. réponse bête. Oui. Uh, the voilà. question is non, how que... do you arrive in France or United States by swimming? Yeah, by voilà. swimming. <laughs> Est-ce que vous avez des avions? Est-ce que vous avez des je sais do pas quoi? Alors j'ai répondu. Voilà, j'ai répondu. Je suis, j'ai surfé sur Internet et j'ai atterri ici. Voilà, <laughs> ça a commencé comme ça. Donc elles ont compris qu'avec moi, ça allait du tac au tac. <laughs> Ensuite, à Nice, je l'ai expérimenté plusieurs fois et même uh, mes collègues ont été témoins dans mon univers professionnel. Celui qui m'a le plus marqué, c'est le jour de mon anniversaire. J'ai été acheter un gâteau pour partager avec mes collègues au bureau. Donc, je, je retournais au bureau avec le gâteau. J'étais dans le bus et il y a une dame un petit peu âgée qui rentre dans le bus. Il y avait plein d'autres personnes assises de tout âge. La dame, elle vient vers moi et elle me demande de lui laisser ma place. 
Alors, en temps normal, Lisette, tu sais qu'en Afrique, on laisse toujours nos places aux personnes plus âgées. Mais mmh. là, j'avais mon gâteau sur les genoux, je ne pouvais pas. Alors, je lui ai dit de demander à quelqu'un d'autre parce que moi, ce serait difficile pour moi avec mes courses et mon gâteau de tenir. Et elle me dit qu'elle avait le droit, plus que moi, de s'asseoir dans ce bus. Et elle prend mon gâteau et me le jette dans le couloir du bus. Waouh Alors là, j'étais choquée. Ah ouais. J'étais choquée. Et là, le, bu... le conducteur du bus, il s'est arrêté net. Et mm. tous les gens dans le bus se sont indignés. Franchement, là, j'ai été, euh, comment dire, agréablement surprise parce qu'il y avait toutes les races dans le bus. Il y avait des Blancs, des Noirs, des Arabes, il y avait de tout. Et pratiquement tout le monde était choqué. Et le conducteur du bus a tenu à appeler la police. La police est venue. Est-ce que tu sais qu'ils ont refusé de prendre ma plainte? Ils, ils n'ont pas voulu prendre ma plainte. Alors, j'ai appelé mon conjoint qui, qui est venu avec mon frère. Le temps qu'il arrive, j'étais toute seule avec les filles qui, qui m'expliquaient que c'était une vieille dame, qu'elle était malade, qu'il ne fallait pas mal le prendre. Ils ont tout fait pour ne pas prendre ma plainte. Et ils sont partis sans avoir pris ma plainte. J'avais une rage parce que c'était mes débuts à Nice. Et après, tu réfléchis, tu te dis, mais qu'est-ce que j'aurais dû faire Qu'est-ce que j'aurais dû dire Tu te sens frustrée parce que tu sais que tu viens d'être bernée. Et après, j'ai appris que c'est pour les statistiques. Pour les mmh. statistiques, ils essayent de prendre le moins de plaintes possible pour ne pas avoir un, un fort taux de statistiques de racisme. Mmh. Donc déjà, tu subis une peine. Et quand on te refuse ta plainte, c'est une double peine. Exactement. Yeah, voilà. Donc, ça a été l'un des événements les plus marquants de racisme que j'ai subi à Nice. Mon mari est venu me, me rejoindre avec mon frère. Ils ont discuté avec le conducteur de bus qui leur a expliqué que j'avais tout fait, mais que les, les filles n'avaient pas voulu prendre ma, ma, ma plainte. Donc, euh, l'histoire est passée comme ça. Et une deuxième fois, enfin, entre autres, avec une copine, on a voulu sortir un vendredi soir. Je te dirais que je suis comptable, tu le sais, et ma copine, elle est dans les assurances. Donc, on, on sait quand même euh, s'habiller quand on va au bureau, mais on sait aussi s'habiller, nous sommes des femmes. Quand nous sortons, nous aimons être un peu sexy, chic et tout. Nous arrivons devant une boîte de nuit, un groupe de filles plus mal habillées que nous rentre, et nous, le mec, il nous dit « Nada, vous ne rentrez pas mm. ». Alors, on lui demande pourquoi. Il dit, je n'ai pas d'explication à donner. Vous ne rentrez pas. Okay. Alors, on repart. Le lendemain, j'avais un contact à SOS Racisme. Je l'ai appelé. Et il m'a appris que cette boîte avait déjà pour habitude de faire de la discrimination, du contrôle au faciès. Mm. Il filtre les entrées. Donc, j'ai dit, cette fois-ci, je ne lâcherai pas l'affaire. Nous avons été jusqu'au bout. Et cette boîte, elle a eu une fermeture pendant plusieurs mois. Parce ah bon. qu'ils lui ont fait... Ils y ont fait un test, ils ont envoyé mmh. un même groupe de personnes, des Blancs d'abord, non, des Noirs d'abord qu'ils ont refusé et après des Blancs. Sauf mmh. qu'ils ne savaient pas que c'était dans le même groupe. Voilà. Donc, ils ont testé, effectivement, et la loi, a pu, le, 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 la justice a pu constater que la discrimination était avérée. Oui. Et on a réussi quand même à faire fermer cette boîte pendant plusieurs mois. Voilà. Voilà. Et ça, franchement, je n'ai pas laissé passer. Parce que j'ai tellement laissé passer des fois et après, j'arrivais souvent, ça m'est arrivé sur le chemin du travail et mes collègues, s'ils me suivent, ils en sont témoins. J'arrive au bureau des fois en pleurs et je me dis, mais qu'est-ce que j'aurais dû répondre Mais qu'est-ce que j'aurais dû dire Et puis, j'étais frustrée parce que je, au début, je ne savais pas comment réagir face au racisme. Yeah. 
Et petit à petit, avec le temps, j'ai pris de l'assurance et maintenant, je ne me laisse plus faire. Et surtout que j'ai un conjoint euh, qui est formidable sur ce point et qui ne laisse rien passer et qui m'aide beaucoup dans, dans ce combat. Oui, totalement. Oh, merci, merci. Uh, uh, like, uh, just I'll give a quick uh, summary on what Yemi said. Yemi lives in uh, Nice. She used to go in, uh, in uh, New Orleans and uh, as a student, she faced racism through her classmate asking her really dumb question. You just call it what it is. Like sometimes people do, especially us coming from Africa, thinking, you know, how did you get here? You know, did you fly? You know, so you, you have to meet them where they are. And then uh, as a professional also, she, she, she was telling us a story about she bought a cake and she was in the bus and there was an old lady. Normally she would let the old lady take this, uh, the seat, but the old lady asked her, I have a, be a more right than you to sit here and slap her cake and the cake was uh, flying on the floor. So that was the part that was hurting. But the double hurt was the fact that uh, when she called the police and the police came, they did not want to take her complaint for statistical reason because they wanted to, you know, not have in the file that uh, there was a lot of racism uh, uh, incident happening in town. So very frustrating. Thank you for sharing that. I want to speed up and talk about a little, you know, if you don't, if, if you have had this conversation with your kids, because I know you all have kids, right? What, and I, I want to start with you, Lacey, because you have like a, a boy, a young, a young man now, right? You're really growing. So how do you have this conversation with them? Because, you know, they, they, they are biracial kids, but uh, society see them as black men. So how do you have this conversation and how does the conversation go? If you can share that with us. I have an 18-year-old and a 13-year-old boy. <clears throat> and uh, I think we're pretty open with them. Um, what age did you start talking about it? What age? What age did you start talking about race and discrimination? And you know, what to when do? they were younger, we, we didn't talk about it much. Um, I don't think that there was a... I'm not sure that there was as uh, maybe we weren't as um, active in in uh, you know news stories and things like that. But because they were younger, they didn't see what we saw, so we didn't really have a, a, a mutual conversation. But now that they're older and they see the same things, and they're both on social media, and so we don't want them to see something without having the conversation with them. Right. Uh, So I often talk to my younger son about it, just in, you know, like, what do you think about that? You know, how do you feel about it? Do you, um, and, and they have strong feelings. I think, um, my 18 year old, um, because he has a diverse group of friends, I think he thinks about how things could go wrong if, if they make a mistake or if they, Uh, interact with the wrong person or I think he's he's fairly aware of that and I think that it, it weighs heavy on him especially when he obviously when he's back in in the states but um, but I think it's just a matter of, of just having that discussion you know I um, the more often we can sit at the table and and, and just a natural conversation the better right Thank you. How about you, Chloe or Yemi? 
I know Chloe, uh, Chloe maybe we're not there yet, right? Gabriella is so... She's six, She's <laughs> six but, and we, we had, my husband and I had a conversation about it, like, you know, because we already were very overprotective um, with everything, like, yeah. we don't watch the news in front of her, um, you know, just, we do shelter her a lot, but we do think we need to at least start just talking about it, and she actually came home from school uh, during Black History Month, and she talked a little bit about her what you know her what she was learning, and it was that you know black people weren't being treated nicely by white people. I mean, and that's mm -hmm. what she came back and said to us, you know. And so I was really proud that she had learned that at school um, that they had gone there with them, you know. Yes. Um, so that's that's really the only conversation we've had with her about it, and it and we didn't. You know, it's kind of come up in our conversations, but we haven't specifically addressed the, you know, the gut-wrenching experience or thing that we all had to witness. But um, yeah, we're 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 gonna. That's our probably our next phase. <laughs> totally. Probably our next phase, and it's as a teacher, it's interesting to think that like if they were in school during this time, how it might have been addressed differently. I think right. since we're not in school right now. Um, We'll see what happens when we get back, especially on top of COVID and everything. So, yeah. One thing, uh, go ahead. One thing I was thinking, though, just as uh, an educator myself. Yes. Um, you know, we don't, want to silence, <laughs> we don't want to silence their their questions. You know, so as a as a white teacher, if you if you don't have that relationship with other black people, and a and a child wants to talk about this situation, we're, we're tempted to say, oh, we're not going to talk about that right now. We're, exactly. we're we going to talk about that in class. <laughs> yeah, you can talk about that at home. And, and I agree with that to some extent, but otherwise, but I also think that it's really important to at least address their questions and exactly. not make it a taboo subject. Exactly. You don't want, you don't want race to be bad. And if you don't, if you, if you continuously put it on the back burner and you don't say anything about it, Sometimes they just need a simple answer. Oh, I'm sorry that you you witnessed that. It's it's a really bad situation. I'm sorry you had to see that. Yeah, and, and sometimes it's wrong. that's simple. Si j'ai bien, uh, yeah, si j'ai bien compris, elle elle exprime son comment dire qu'elle est qu'elle est gênée par cette situation, qu'elle se sent coupable, c'est ça? Non, on a, elle est en train de parler de comment parler aux enfants et que en tant que maîtresse. Souvent, les enfants peuvent venir te poser des questions et que, en tant que maîtresse... Oui, elle, elle se sent gênée. Non, elle, elle se sent vraiment gênée. Genre, elle veut... Elle veut qu'on réponde aux enfants, même si c'est difficile en tant que blanche. Voilà, voilà. Même si c'est difficile, mais on doit leur donner une réponse, en fait, au lieu de les laisser comme ça. So, je sais que toi, Laure... Je voulais réagir sur ça. Vas-y, vas-y. Je voulais réagir sur ça parce que, justement, c'est arrivé à ma fille. Oh. Quel âge, quel âge a ta fille? Quel âge? Quatre ans. Quatre ans. Mm -hmm. Elle a quatre ans et dès la rentrée, elle, euh, elle jouait avec des enfants et un petit garçon, euh, euh, elle, me, elle nous disait à chaque fois, elle, me, elle nous parlait d'Elon, Elon, Elon, Elon. Et son père disait, oh, c'est moi ton amoureux, c'est moi ton amoureux. Mm -hmm. Un jour, elle rentre et on est devant le miroir et puis euh, elle me dit, euh, je, je veux être, euh, je ne suis pas, je ne suis pas belle. Voilà, j'ai dit mais pourquoi tu dis que tu n'es pas belle Elle me dit parce que je ne suis pas blanche. J'ai dit mais mmh. pourquoi tu me dis ça 
Elle me dit, Elon ne veut plus de moi parce qu'il dit que les Noirs ne sont pas beaux. Alors, je suis restée choquée. Et j'ai dit, regarde-moi, comment tu me trouves Et elle me dit, tu es Noire, donc tu n'es pas belle. Mais moi, je te trouve belle. Non, elle dit, moi, je te trouve belle. Mais selon ce que Elon lui dit, moi, je ne serai pas belle. Elle dit, mais ne t'inquiète pas, maman, ce n'est pas moi. Hein. Moi, je te trouve belle. Mmh. Alors, j'étais fatiguée. Je ne savais pas comment lui parler. Donc, effectivement, je trouve que les, en tant qu'institutrice, euh, c'est très important d'en parler aux enfants. Parce que moi, j'ai été à l'école et j'en ai parlé à la maîtresse. Et la maîtresse, ça semblait très étonnée. Et je, je pensais, j'espérais qu'elle allait parler aux élèves. Mais elle ne l'a pas fait. Mmh. Elle ne l'a pas fait. J'ai croisé la mère du petit. Mmh. Et j'en ai parlé à la mère du petit, mais j'ai choisi mes mots. Je lui ai simplement dit que son fils disait des trucs pas gentils à ma fille et qu'elle était trop jeune pour que j'ai je, à me préoccuper de ce sujet avec elle. Exactement. Je n'ai pas parlé de, de mots racistes. Je n'ai pas parlé de mots noirs ni blancs. Je n'ai sorti mmh. aucun de ces mots. Mais je pense que la maman, elle a compris de quoi je parlais. Yeah. Ensuite, une autre fois au Burger King, pendant qu'on finissait de manger, elle est allée dans, il y a une espèce de petit parc là où les enfants peuvent jouer, elle est rentrée pour jouer et puis un petit garçon lui a, a poussé, lui a dit euh, « Petite guenon oh, !» wow. Alors, elle est venue à notre table, elle est venue à notre table et elle nous a dit, je dis « Mais qu'est-ce que tu fais ?»« Oui, le petit ne veut pas que je joue avec. » Il m'a dit « Petite guenon, ça veut dire quoi maman ?» Et j'ai dit, non, tu n'as pas dû bien comprendre. Et avec son père, on a essayé de détourner son attention de ça. Mais comment tu peux lui expliquer un mot aussi horrible? Mm. Et suite à ça, elle nous a demandé quelle était sa couleur. Elle a dit, oui, mais toi, tu dis que tu es noir. Papa dit qu'il est blanc. Moi, je suis quoi? Je dis, tu es métisse. Elle dit, mais métisse, ça ne fait pas partie des couleurs. Parce que pour elle, blanc, c'est une couleur. Noir, c'est une couleur. Jaune, c'est une couleur. Vert, c'est une couleur. Mmh. Mais métisse ne fait pas partie de ce qu'on lui a appris comme couleur. Je ne sais pas si tu comprends son oui, raisonnement. Oui, oui, oui. oui. Voilà. Donc, elle voulait mettre une couleur sur sa peau. Et j'ai dit, bon, tu es caramel Elle me dit, non, c'est pas trop. Ça ne ressemble pas à du caramel, ça. Et je dis, chocolat Elle dit, non. Et puis, elle me dit, tu sais quoi, maman On va dire que je suis un mélange de couleurs. J'ai dit, bravo, ma fille. Tu as compris, ça m'a évité de devoir rentrer dans les détails. Mais on a eu quand même à en discuter un petit peu avec elle pour qu'elle comprenne qu'elle a une entité entière. Elle a une partie de maman, une partie de papa. Mm -hmm. Et c'est ça le métissage. Et le métissage, c'est, ce n'est pas seulement un mélange des deux. C'est un mélange qui forme quelque chose d'essentiel. C'est mm -hmm. aussi une personne. Ce n'est pas seulement un petit bout de chaque qu'elle est une personne à part entière. Parce que souvent, les métisses se sentent un peu tiraillés. Ils ne savent pas s'ils doivent donner raison au côté noir ou au côté blanc. Donc, et moi, je ne voudrais pas du tout qu'elles se sentent obligées. Même si je remarque que les métisses sont souvent plus du côté noir. Mm -hmm. Dans mon entourage, je ne le remarque plus. Je ne sais pas pourquoi. Est-ce qu'ils sentent que déjà qu'il y a un problème? C'est parce que la société, la, la société, les classes déjà... Comme des, des noirs. Dans les noirs. Donc, du voilà. coup... Mais en Afrique, reconnaissons aussi que quand nos métisses vont en Afrique, on les appelle des blancs. That's true, c'est vrai. vrai. Tu vois? Donc, ils sont un peu perdus. Ils sont un vrai. peu perdus. Mais en effet, quand ils vivent en Occident et qu'ils voient tout ce qui se passe à la télé, effectivement, ils ont plus tendance à soutenir plus le côté noir que le côté blanc. C'est vrai. Et c'est un héritage un peu lourd à porter pour eux. Ouais. So, je vais essayer Et c'est très bien que tu nous aies... 
Et c'est très bien que tu nous aies donné la parole sur ce sujet de, de couple mixte parce que le métissage est quelque chose qui, petit à petit, peut aider à améliorer les choses. Oh, totally. So, je vais essayer, I'll try to resume what Yemi just said in French for all of you guys. But before, I want to say that um, we have 15 more minutes to go, 10 to 15 maximum. But yesterday was 53 years of uh, the Supreme Court voting for biracial marriage. Just 53 years. So this is like fresh new, you know? So this, my parents, I'm older than 53, you know, it's like a couple of years before I was born. So this is brand new. So Yemi was, Yemi has a four years old, so maybe younger than all of you guys kids. And she's, she was telling us two instances where her daughter had to go through already through little other boys calling her names, you know, or telling her that she's not beautiful because of her, because supposedly she's miss or, and she's black. So she had to deal with that. She went to school and the teacher didn't really meet the moment. You know, the teacher didn't really know what to say. So we have three educators, you know, Amelie, I know you are so a teacher and you are a black teacher and you have uh, kids that are, you know, all kind of races. So yeah, both, both races. So How do you have that conversation with your son and even with your, 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 your student? If you want to share that, then we get to our last okay. question. With my son, we try as much as possible to not talk about race. So we call him his pretty brown. And we say, if you want to talk about somebody, don't mention that person by the skin tone. Okay. So one day, by mistake, mom was talking and mom said, this white guy, and he was like, mom, could you say describe him differently than his skin tone? I said, oh, okay, he got it. We don't talk about people based on their color, the color of their skin. So when all these stuff have been going on around, I've never talked to him about anything because mm. I'm like, if he, I don't put in his head, he would probably not look for it, you know? But then I noticed that my husband talks to him about everything. And so I'm like, oh, he's just here on one side. Maybe I need to jump in. To be honest with you, it's uh, when Lisa asked me the question, I'm like, oh, I've never had that conversation <laughs> with him. And here he's considered black for us. Is not black, he lives. You know, so I was like, okay, I got to talk to this boy so he can have uh, both sides of the story, you know? And so he was eating, and then I was like, oh, um, do you know what's going on lately? Uh, there was a, a man who's been killed because of his skin tone. He's like, oh, are you talking about uh, Black Lives Matter? I'm like, uh, Oh, okay. Uh, yes. okay. How, how do you know about that? How do you hear about that? I was like, he was like, when I play games with daddy, so they put it out there, Black Lives Matter. I was like, okay. Do you know oh, the meaning of that? the game. Okay. Yeah. I was like, do you know the meaning of that? He was like, hmm. My dad and I never really had kids like that. I was like, oh. Okay. So I had a conversation with both of them. <laughs> and I was like, what do you mean? It just, it, uh, don't you think that our lives, my lives matter? Don't you think 
But everyone's like, but isn't that mean that all the races, life doesn't matter? Like Asian people, white people. So for him, he was more concerned by the fact that it's limited mm. to just one race, black people. And I was like, and I was thinking, oh my goodness, what am I going to do with this? What am I going to do? And he was like, mommy, don't you think that, do you think that, do they, do they mean by black people lives matter too? I said, there we go, you got it. <laughs> yes, it's what it meant. It's true. They left out the two, but it's what it really means. Okay. So I was like, oh, I feel much better now. Mm. So for him, it's the idea Black Lives Matter. He thought that we are not thinking about his dad's side mm. or all the races. And so I'm like, oh, this kid is so smart. So he want everybody to be a part of the conversation. And so by me telling him, it just means we do call. It just because people have been, we've been oppressed all this year and now we are bringing attention to us. But it doesn't mm. mean that we are excluding other people. It's because we've been excluded. Ce que tu veux dire, parce que bon, je comprends pas tout. Oui. Donc, je veux savoir si j'ai bien compris. En fait, c'est de comprendre que Black Lives Matter, ça ne veut pas dire que seule la vie des Noirs compte. Ça veut oui. dire que notre vie compte aussi. Compte aussi. Voilà. Et qu'elle est en danger. C'est pour ça qu'actuellement, oui. il faut voilà, c est, c est mettre l'accent dessus. Oui. Ça ne veut pas dire que la vie des Blancs ne compte pas. Oui. Exactement. Ça veut dire que la vie de tout le monde compte, compte. mais que la loi n'est pas respectée. Donc, elle compte aussi. Et elle yes. doit être protégée. Yes. Et donc, après, je lui ai dit, et c'est là que je lui ai dit, Oh, and I told him, in America, for us, you are a kid. You are a part of me and a part of your dad. So it doesn't matter. For us, we don't talk in terms of color. But in America, you are considered black. And he was that? But I'm not black. I'm like, I'm sorry to tell you this. In the street, when you go out in the street, it's what you are considered. Right. It doesn't mean that you, for us, it doesn't change anything for us. But I just need you to acknowledge that fact. So when one day somebody made a comment, you are not shocked. It was like, so right. Mary, you mean, so I don't start beating me up? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, exactly. So you know already in your head that out there, so other people are thinking of you differently. Exactly. It's not okay, but it's a fact. It's not over, yeah. yeah. Right. And so he said he got it. Cool. Thank you so much. So and get us to talk about this. what I never. T'imagines quand même ce qu'il faut. T'imagines quand même ce qu'il faut expliquer aux gamins. T'imagines ce qu'ils doivent quand même intégrer. Explique. Yeah. Et le, le, ce que je voulais dire, c'est que les enfants sont très, très intelligents. C'est très intelligent. À partir de 5 ans, mamie, même plus, plus jeune, kids oh are no. very, very smart. I teach the 3 and 4 years old. Man, those kids are smart. When people, people say, oh, they don't get it, I'm not, no. I've been here, I've been teaching for 5 years now. I know they get it. So don't 
don't push them aside say that they are little though we did but i haven't had the conversation with them though with this thing going on because since corona we didn't really in the summer we don't really do okay i'm in a christian environment and in a christian oh, school boy. yes in a christian <laughs> school we we, we toward the end we toward the end yes yeah so that would be another episode. I try my best to integrate uh, everything. So I'll, in the summer, I do day camp. It's 5 and 12. Mm-hmm. And so last year, I did a different culture, kind of. So I did a passport for them. We are going to Africa. They had an African uh, passport. They had uh, the stamp. We went to different countries. And this year, the theme is the melting pot. America, the melting pot. So in a way, it's my way to open the mind to different what, culture. Um, America, what America is really. All so right. Little by little, but with that being political, um, some days I even go with my Afro because <laughs> I want them to see different. That different we, are, we are all different with different te- kind of texture hair. They look at me like I'm crazy. Some of them even make comment like I'm crazy. I just laugh, laugh it off. And I have my coworker. She correct them. She said, like, "No, you meant to say she's beautiful with your hair." Yeah, yeah. We don't have time for it. All right. So that, that's good. Right. One other thing that my daughter asked me randomly was that when because she watched the news with me, she's eight years old, so she 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 understands what's going on. She asked me just randomly, and I've been thinking about it. She's like, "Is there any test that we can do to determine if the police person is racist?" You know, before they even get the job. And I was like, "You don't I know." Don't- I don't know if there's any test because it does not show. So I want to end on that note and I want to ask you guys one last question because I've kept you for more than an hour and I'm so thankful for, for all of you. What do you think each of you, what do we have to do to move forward? You know, I think we've touched on it, but if you can come back and sum it up in one quick sentence, like what do you think you have to do? Because I think what's going to move the needle for all of us is to have this kind of conversation. It's really meet the moment Try to be, for me, I feel like we have to be uncomfortable. We have to talk about things that we have not spoken about because I want to give white people the benefit of the doubt sometimes and say, maybe they don't know that we feel this way, you know, for those of them that can help us. So let's start with Lacey, you know, what, to, what is the one thing that we can do to move forward? You know, we can't change the world, but we can change our community. Oh, I, I don't think I can come up with one thing, um, but uh, I know, if, I know you're a PhD teacher, so you probably have like a list of things, but give us one good nugget that we can take away. Oh, one thing that you can do. I think you're already doing it, but you know, if you can share something for us, no, that would be great. I think the most important thing right now is to be persistent. Mm. We lose attention very quickly and we lose the attention of, of America very quickly. Exactly. Uh, I think it was not just George Floyd. I think it was just like you said, the Aubrey situation, the George Floyd. I think it was a culmination of things that that brought us to this point. Mm-hmm. But even so, as tragic as those situations are, we've seen it time and time and time again. Uh, if we if we aren't persistent with this conversation, it will again float 
you know, just flow away and, and, and we won't, we won't continue the conversations right. and we won't make the change that's needed. And to make the change that's needed, there's so many things that have to be done to get to a, a point of equality. Right. Uh, but that's going to take years, if not generations. Uh, and right. so we need to continue the conversation and keep it in the forefront in order to make any kind of significant change. True. Thank you. How about you, uh, Yemi? Dis-nous une chose que tu vas faire, que tu as déjà commencé à faire. Qu'est-ce qu'on peut faire pour, pour commencer à changer les mentalités? Euh, une chose, je ne peux pas te dire une seule chose parce que j'en ai plein. <rire> C'est la même chose que Lécy. Ce que je voudrais faire ou ce que j'ai déjà commencé à faire? Oui, oui. Either, either one. Ce que je voudrais, enfin, ce qu'il faudrait faire, il y a beaucoup de choses à faire. Déjà à l'école, il faut apprendre aux enfants, il faut leur réapprendre l'histoire. Mmh. L'histoire, mais de façon objective, pas seulement à la gloire du héros. Mmh. Parce qu'un enfant à qui on raconte l'histoire de l'esclavage, comme quoi les Blancs ont dû faire l'esclavage parce que les Noirs avaient besoin d'être disciplinés, etc., l'enfant va prendre ça pour un acte positif. Donc, mmh. l'enfant aura déjà, depuis le bas âge, ce sentiment de supériorité. Exactement. Alors que si on reconnaît qu'on a mal fait, et par là, je ne dis pas que les Blancs doivent s'excuser, il est hors de question, parce que j'entends le débat à la télé actuellement, pourquoi les Blancs doivent s'excuser. Personne ne demande aux Blancs de s'excuser. On, on demande... Assez de voilà. Personne ne demande aux Blancs de s'excuser. Oui, parce qu'ils ne sont pas héritiers des erreurs de leurs ancêtres. Exactement. Mais par contre, mais par contre, ils ont un devoir de ne pas le reproduire. Exactement. Donc, pour ne pas le reproduire, il faut qu'ils enseignent à leurs enfants que l'esclavage n'a pas été un acte positif. Mmh. Le fait de soumettre yeah. quelqu'un d'autre en servitude n'est pas un acte positif. Yeah. Parce, que, <rire> parce que pas plus tard qu'aujourd'hui, j'ai vu une vidéo d'un ancien colon, parce que l'esclavage est bien différent de, de la colonisation, là, c'est un ancien colon en Belgique, qui a été invité dans une classe pour expliquer aux élèves qu'ils étaient obligés d'aller un peu comme de la paternalisation, d'aller apprendre aux Africains comment vivre, comment être mieux éduqués, etc. Et dans toute cette classe, il n'y avait qu'une seule fille noire. Mmh, la tu voyais sur la vidéo, elle tremblait, parce que le mec, à chaque fois qu'il disait noir, il lui disait « excuse-moi ». Mmh. mais pourquoi s'excuser noir c'est un mot moi j'accepte ce qu'on m'appelle noir je suis noir donc déjà il faut apprendre aux enfants à l'école que dire noir ce n'est pas une insulte moi je refuse le terme de couleur parce que le blanc c'est une couleur le jaune c'est une couleur le noir mmh. c'est une couleur et même si je veux aller loin je dirais que le noir ne change pas de couleur le blanc change de couleur quand il est malade il est bleu quand il, est, quand il se blesse il est rouge quand il meurt il devient gris le noir lui il reste noir du début jusqu'à la fin donc oh je pourrais aller God. loin je pourrais aller loin en disant ça mais je vais rester soft et dire que toutes les, toutes les races sont des couleurs il n'y a pas que nous donc mes amis N'ayez pas honte de m'appeler noir et dites à vos enfants de ne pas avoir honte de dire noir. Il vaut mieux dire noir que homme de couleur. Ouais, vrai. Donc déjà, enseignez ça dans les écoles. Remettre l'histoire. Ensuite, nous, les Africains, nous avons un devoir d'enseigner l'histoire de nos ancêtres à nos enfants. 
pour qu'il sache qu'on a eu des reines de sabbat, pour qu'il sache qu'on a eu des béanzins, pour qu'il sache qu'on a eu des kunta kinte, qu'on a eu, qu a eu des, des, des gens qui ont été héroïques, qui se sont battus, qui ne nous voient pas seulement en tant que victimes. Demandeur. Mm -hmm. Voilà. Qui ne nous voient pas seulement en tant que sportifs. Mm. Je n'ai pas envie de m'identifier seulement à Michael Jack, euh, Jordan. Je n'ai pas envie de m'identifier seulement à Maître Gims. Exactement. Je veux m'identifier à plein d'autres choses. Il n'y a yes. pas que le sport ou la musique où on excelle. Exactement. La oui. reine, l'une des reines les plus riches du monde a été une reine africaine. Ça, personne, peu de gens le savent. Donc, il faut que nous-mêmes, nous mettions en valeur notre culture pour apprendre à nos enfants à être fiers de ce qu'ils sont. Exactement. Et arrêter de baisser la tête. Déjà. Thank you. Thank voilà. you. Et ensuite, au niveau de la police, il faut les former. Il faut mieux les former. <rire> ce n'est pas toute mm -hmm. la police qui est raciste. Je ne comprends pas pourquoi les gens, ils affichent des choses en disant toute la police n'est pas raciste. Tous les Blancs ne sont pas... Personne ne dit que tous les Blancs sont racistes. Personne ne dit que tous les policiers sont racistes. On dit qu'il y a une partie qui gangrène le reste. Exactement. Et ils ont That's... le pouvoir. How do we say that word in English, Lacey? Gangrène? I need that word. Ah, ouais. <laughs> How do we say the word gangrène in English? Gangrène? Oh, gangrène. C'est gangrène aussi, non? No. Like, no. A, like a cancer. Stockley Car Michael a dit une chose il a dit qu'une personne ne m'aime pas en fonction de ma couleur ça ne me pose pas problème c'est un sentiment négatif qu'il a lui mmh, moi ça bien. ne me touche pas si tu ne m'aimes pas Exactement. à la limite si tu ne me dis pas bonjour bon, c'est un peu, tu vois on est un peu vexé parce qu'on ne dit pas bonjour mais qu'une personne ait le droit et l'autorité de me discriminer, de porter atteinte à mon physique ou à mon mental du fait de ma couleur, là, ça commence à devenir un problème. Mon problème est le problème de tout le monde. Pourquoi? Mm -hmm. Je vais compléter la citation de, de, de Carmichael en disant pourquoi ça concerne tout le monde. Parce qu'aujourd'hui, les Noirs sont atteints. Par le passé, les Noirs ont été atteints. Depuis 400 ans, les Juifs ont eu leur part aussi. Il y a beaucoup de peuples qui ont souffert. Mais aujourd'hui, ceux qui sont spectateurs et qui pensent que ça ne les concerne pas, ils ne savent pas si dans une ou deux générations, ils auront des enfants, petits-enfants métis ou noirs. Mm -hmm. Un blanc, dans trois générations, sa descendance peut être noire comme le charbon. Right. Donc, voilà. Donc, je suis désolée, on est tous concernés. Parce que si on ne lutte pas aujourd'hui, on laisse le bébé à, no à nos enfants qui vont devoir lutter demain. Mm -hmm. Et ils, ils vont faire face à des gens encore pires parce que quand tu vois qu'il y a une police dans un groupe, il y a 8000 po po de policiers dans le groupe et qu'il y a une minorité qui dit des propos racistes qu'il faut éradiquer les homosexuels, il faut éradiquer les noirs, les juifs, les arabes, le, les laisser s'entretuer entre eux. Quand tu entends ça, tu te dis, mais purée, ces gens, ils ont quand même autorité de m'arrêter en pleine nuit. Mm -hmm. Qui va me défendre Comment je peux savoir que je suis tombée sur un policier raciste Donc, il faut déjà qu'ils enseignent aux flics que ce n'est pas parce que leur collègue est raciste qu'ils doivent se taire. Et pour cela, il faut que nos gouvernements arrêtent avec l'impunité. Parce que celui qui a dénoncé un flic raciste, c'est lui qui a été démis de ses fonctions. Ouais. C'est lui qui a été sanctionné. Parce que c'est comme dans l'armée, c'est la loi de l'omerta. Mm -hmm. On reste soudé dans le On négatif. Soudé. Exactement. Voilà. 
Donc, il faut repenser la politique de la police. Et dernière chose, il faut parler à nos jeunes. Mes sœurs, tu crois que ça me fait plaisir d'entendre mes grandes sœurs conseiller à leurs jeunes adolescents parce que mes grandes sœurs, elles, elles ont des enfants de 15 à 18 ans, des garçons. Leur dire que s'ils se font arrêter, de ne surtout pas protester, de ne pas bouger, d'obéir. Ouais. Donc, nos jeunes, on doit leur dire aussi de faire attention à eux, de ne pas vouloir jouer devant leurs amis les durs ou quoi que ce soit. Parce que quand tu lis dans les commentaires que George Floyd, c'est un délinquant, il n'aurait pas dû faire un chèque, un faux chèque, tu te dis donc, euh, comment il s'appelle, Tammy Rice, il n'aurait pas dû jouer avec un faux pistolet à eau dans un parc. Mm -hmm. Il n'avait pas fait un flic euh, zélé, il ne lui aurait pas tiré dessus. Mm -hmm. Tu vas dire à qui À Philandro Castile qui avait un phare cassé pour un simple contrôle, qui n'aurait pas dû dire au policier qu'il avait une arme dans sa voiture. Mm -hmm. S'il ne lui avait pas dit, le policier n'aurait pas eu peur, ne lui aurait pas tiré dessus. Donc, il faut aller dire à Breonna Taylor qu'elle n'aurait pas dû être chez elle cette nuit-là, dans son lit en train de dormir. Sinon, un flic ne se serait pas trompé de maison et ne lui aurait pas tiré 22 balles, dont 8 qui l'ont tué. Exactement. Donc, je ne supporte pas que les gens disent que il a mérité sa mort parce qu'il était un délinquant. Est-ce que parce qu'on est un délinquant, on a le droit on de doit mourir? mourir? Exactement. Bon, la police est là pour arrêter et pour amener devant la justice. Son travail s'arrête là. La personne okay. résiste, vous êtes quand même euh, entraîné à maîtriser la personne. Des fois, les gars sont déjà menottés et pourtant, ils continuent. Exactement. Donc, c'est qu'il y a un problème. Et ça, c'est aux États-Unis. Je ne, je ne comparerai jamais la police française à la police américaine parce que c'est ce n'est pas du tout la même chose. Mais ça commence à arriver en France. Quand on voit les cas d'Adama Traoré, on voit même s'il est un délit, quand même s'il a fait des délits, il n'a pas mm -hmm. le droit. Moi, je dis, quel que soit ce que la personne fait, il faut lui donner le, le bénéfice, le, de le bénéfice voilà. du doute, mais la valeur humaine, en fait, la valeur humaine, l'humanité. Il faut voir l'humanité de la personne d'abord. En tout cas, merci, Yemi. Merci. Donc, oh, voilà. Ok, correct, fini. Donc, je, non, je finis sur ça. Donc, je voudrais dire aux gens sur Facebook qui mettent tout et n'importe quoi, nous ne faisons pas d'amalgame. Certains en font peut-être. Il y a des noirs radicaux, je ne dis pas non, ça existe. Ils en font peut-être. Mais la majorité, non, nous avons mal. Ne rajoutez pas un mal à notre mal. Je n'ai pas vu beaucoup d'amis à moi mettre quoi que ce soit sur Facebook pour ça. Par contre, j'en vois beaucoup qui mettent, qui mettent des choses sur les animaux maltraités et tout. Et je me dis... Avec tout l'amour que j'ai pour mes amis blancs, que donc la vie d'un noir ne compte pas assez à leurs yeux, mm -hmm. autant qu'un animal qui a été maltraité. Exactement. Certains m'ont écrit une box et je sais qu'ils ont été touchés. Certains ont commenté des publications à moi où on, on mis un, un émoticône de tristesse. Je sais qu'ils qu ne sont pas racistes, mais je sais que la plupart ont honte de mettre un message sur leur mur par rapport à leur famille. Yes n'ont pas envie que leur famille voie qu'ils soutiennent cette cause. Alors que c'est ce que vous devez faire pour mm -hmm. que s'il y a au moins un seul raciste dans vos amis, qu'ils sachent que vous êtes blanc et que vous n'êtes pas d'accord avec lui. C'est ce que vous devez faire. Merci. Parce que nous nous, la, nous, nous, nous nous sentons délaissés par vous. Et j'ai <rire> été contente de voir des, des bras de blanc à la manifestation. Merci. Je suis passée, malgré le COVID, avec mon masque, au milieu de la foule pour prendre les panneaux et j'ai pris soin de prendre les, les, les bras pour que les racistes sachent qu'il y a des blancs qui ne sont pas comme eux et qui luttent avec nous à nos côtés. 
Voilà. Yeah, totally. Merci, merci. I mean, what I said is um, to eradicate racism, we have to collectively change and we can no longer make people comfortable. So Chloe and Law, we are very short on time. So please make your remark very, uh, I apologize. We, wanna, we don't want to keep people forever. So go ahead and give your call to action or things that you will do, you know, or things that you're going to ask your friend to do. So go ahead. I personally think as a parents, we have a lot to do. We need to educate our the children. We definitely need to do that. Whites need to educate their white kids. Black need to educate their black kids because it goes both ways somehow. Mm-hmm. Because if a parent is reluctant to letting their child play with somebody from a different race, well, you are part of the problem. So we need to, this is the opportunity. The moment is being given to us to embrace our diversity and teach one another what each culture uh, or each race is about. Because after all, we are losing if you ignore the other race. Right. It's like you are losing a big part of humanity. You know? Totally. So it's all start from home by educating your kids. Awesome. Thank you. Lisette, excuse-moi, j'ai oublié une chose importante. Uh, il faut aussi que nous prenions, nous essayons de nous élever économiquement et que nous essayons d'accéder à des postes stratégiques oh Lord. pour avoir plus d'impact sur les décisions. That's another show, the whole, another show. Yes, yes. Je suis en train de dire... économique et social. Le, c'est la seule manière, c'est la seule manière, si je veux résumer ça en un mot. So, voilà. she's talking about we need to have an economical power. That's how we can get respect. Uh, go ahead, Chloe. Not, last but not least, give us your call to action. Well, you guys did such a great job, literally embodied everything that I think. But for me personally, as a parent, um, but as a teacher, mm-hmm. to not only expose and educate, but to embrace and, and teach and model to my mm-hmm. students what it looks like to you know, really embrace another person's culture and show them that, you know, there's so much good in this world um, and that they're, they're winning by learning and growing with others. And, you know, hopefully it's a ripple effect. You know, I'm only one teacher, one school in one city, but um, it does, it starts at home, but it also, you know, as teachers, we have a, a responsibility to educate our students and, and not just talk about it from books, but to prove it, to live it, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm very proud that I had the opportunity to do that. Yes. Oh, that's, I cannot end uh, on a better note. So I'm not even going to try to uh, say anything else because uh, I, I love how educator you guys understand and embrace uh, already the moment. So I thank you all so much for this opportunity to share your heart with us with uh, our audience uh, for our first episode um i will thank all of you again you know for speaking out 
for being an activist. You know, some of you guys are no longer allies. You are ahead of the park, you know, <laughs> Chloe, Yemi, Amele. And uh, thank you so much uh, for being part of this uh, episode with us. I really appreciate it. And um, again, uh, stay tuned for our second episode. Our second episode is going to be exciting. It's going to be a continuation of this conversation, but it's going to be focusing on the workplace environment, psychological safety. Because most of us, people of color, black men and women, you f- we don't feel safe. Not only we don't feel safe uh, uh, in the street, but we don't feel safe in, the, in, in corporate America. And I'm going to talk to one of my friends that does that kind of work. So that's our second episode. It's going to be exactly one month from now. So thank you so much. I appreciate all of you guys. Have a beautiful weekend. And uh, um, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank We're gonna- you. Stop there. Thank you. Thank you. Merci right. à toi. Bye. Merci. Bye, everyone. Merci It was great. Merci beaucoup. Merci beaucoup. Nice to meet you all. Merci, Amélie. Bye-bye. Merci. Bye-bye